This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, June 23rd, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, once again teamed up alongside a man who is becoming an avid football card collector, Jerem Jordan. It was when I was younger. I still have my cards, um, which was a real fun activity when you were younger. No internet, right? These guys have no idea. When we were little, we relied on newspapers, magazines, and frankly, cards to know about individual players. So I could memorize NBA and MLB and NFL, whatever, by having the cards, because on the back I could see, oh, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, born in Brooklyn, New York, on February 17th, 19-whatever, I can't remember the date, uh, you know, plays for the Bulls, got his averages. That was uh, the original Wikipedia page, I guess, right? Or the original internet was the ability to get a card and then uh, know more about that player. That's how I developed my base of sports knowledge. Yeah, for like sure. the only reason I know Vern Fleming played for the Indiana Pacers is because that was my first card. <laughs> Brad Davis. <laughs> All those guys. Veteran for the Dallas I, Mavericks. I lo- we love a 90s NBA game. It's just like, <laughs> name it a 90s NBA guy. Back, 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 back. <laughs> I couldn't get to, the store was called Ali's Pizza, little pizza joint. They would sell sports cards. Mm. In their front desk is like a little side business, I'm sure. I could not ride my back bike there fast enough. Yeah. Get money, and it would immediately go to Allie's Pizza. Yeah. Oh, love it. And buy a couple of packs of baseball cards, basketball cards, and then I'd spend the rest of the day like organizing them and putting in the little sleeves. And that, w- that was what we did. I have all those cards still. Yes. I love it. Yeah. I just need Beckett to really tell me how much they're worth. We talked about this the other day. The Beckett magazine, which prices cards, yeah. no longer exists. Yeah. Yeah. I Googled it and said, well, how do you price cards? And it said, eh, just check eBay prices. <laughs> like, go back to 1992. No, not as fun. Now, we're discussing all of this card business because front and center, we have a Zach Wilson rookie card okay. displayed. Oh, it's even got rookie card on the, the case. Next I to like another that. rookie card showing the last BYU quarterback drafted before Wilson, his mentor, John Beck. How much is that worth, man? I paid $5 for it. I actually paid $4 for it and paid a dollar in shipping. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know wow, how much steep. it's worth right now, but I like having a Zach Wilson rookie football card on the desk alongside John Beck. The last two quarterbacks drafted from BYU, that's pretty cool. It looks nice, man. All right, your Wednesday show lineup includes a discussion that may just feature BYU's next drafted quarterback, Jerem. I know, I'm getting ahead of myself. Because we haven't even zeroed in on the 2021 BYU football starter when the season opened against Arizona. But did Aaron Roderick... Show his cards as to who that will be. you got to be quick with him. He's from Erie, PA. A major shift in the college athletics world to now paying amateur athletes feels imminent. Chris Vanini of The Athletic has been all over the topic. He will join us to project what that could mean for BYU and beyond. Plus, BYU football's 2021 opponents ranked from worst to first. Jerem's 10 lists in 10 weeks returns. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Elijah Bryant and the Milwaukee Bucks play in the Eastern Conference Finals. Game one tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. 
Prince, the first BYU player to be on a team in the conference finals since 2007, and the eighth BYU player ever to reach this stage. Pretty awesome. We mentioned this briefly yesterday, but the smart guys for BYU football deserve some official headline love. Center James Empey and linebacker Keenan Peely named to the 2020-2021 COSIDA Academic All-District Football Team. Empey and Peely now advance to the All-America ballot. First and second team academic All-American recipients will be announced in early July. Kennedy Eschenberg of women's volleyball is academic All-District as well. Eschenberg returns for her second senior year this fall. Give me some Volleyball Nations League. Team USA featuring a handful of former BYU stars, including the Sander brothers, Taylor and Brendan, and Ben Patch. They sweep Japan three sets to none in week five of the preliminary rounds. The United States men currently in seventh place, trailing sixth place Serbia by four points. Top four advance, so not looking good. And Cougars in the minors. Colton Shaver had two hits in an RBI. For the Sugarland Skeeters in the game last night against the El Paso Chihuahuas. By the way, the Sugarland Skeeters, Triple A. I didn't realize that our boy Colton Shaver uh, was in Triple A. He's hitting home runs One in Triple A baseball. So yeah. Brennan Lund, Mike Rucker, Colton Shaver, a bunch of BYU guys right there knocking on the door of getting into the big show. That'd be great. Pretty cool. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Showing the cards. BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick was shockingly asked about the starting quarterback race last week during media day. And while we certainly didn't expect him to announce a starter, he may just have shown his cards specifically as it pertains to Jaron Hall. Listen again, and you decide. Well, just the, the times that we've seen Jaron play, he's, he's played about as well as I've seen. You know, that Utah State game was about as well as I've seen any quarterback play in my career. And um, unfortunately, he's had a tough time staying healthy, but if he's able to do so, he's going to be tough to beat out. Jaron, is Jaron Hall the BYU starting quarterback, if he's healthy. Yeah, been saying this for a while. It's Jaron's, it's Jaron's position to lose, in my opinion, um, because who held the backup position over Baylor Romney in 2019? It was Jaron Hall. Why wasn't Jaron the backup last year? He was hurt. When Jaron Hall's healthy, he is the best quarterback BYU has. And I, that doesn't mean Baylor is far behind and then Jacob Conover, we've been told in practice, was good. Only two games difference or you know, in terms of starts with Jaron with two, Baylor with two, and Jacob Conover with zero. So it's not a lot of volume. But that, that Utah State game specifically referenced, Jaron was pacing for a 400-100 in the first half. In I, Roderick's words, about as good as I've seen a quarterback ever play. Yes, it was very, it was very impressive. Again, it's one half. I don't want to overblow one half. But when we have low volume, that's a bigger deal, right? Like that's you know a quarter of what we know about him. Jaron Hall can be fantastic. He is a tremendous passer. He is not and should not fit into the stereotype black quarterback runner conversation. He is an excellent passer who can also run really well. He's not a runner who passes, right? There was a time with Taysom Hill who he was a runner who passed. He turned into a guy that could do both really well. Granted, his running is still better than his passing to this day, in my opinion. But... Yes, if Jaron Hall is healthy, I think he's the guy. Aaron Roderick is a vet to this quarterback controversy game and the proper time to announce things. He's been around BYU long enough, 
and quarterback conversations that he understands the weight of this decision. And he expressed as much on media day. But seriously, I do take this very, this responsibility very seriously. I, I, um, I feel an obligation, first of all, to our team, to our, our, our fans to, to make the best decision I can. And I feel a great obligation to our quarterbacks. I mean, I love those guys. I, that I, they work so hard. They're great guys. And uh, I want to do right by them. It feels like his comments have slated Jaron as having the nod right now. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious, right? He's going to be hard to beat if he's healthy? Yes. Yeah. That he's he's leaning towards Jaron. Yet he wants to keep all three engaged and motivated, feeling like they have a shot in fall camp. And they and they do. Jaron told us he's 100% healthy, by the way, last week. So there you go. And that's big. He's good to that's go. That's everything for and, him. And even I even brought it up at the very end, like, hey, you know, discussion, uh, concussions are scary. Where are you at with that? He's like, that's behind me. I'm good to go. Let's go. Okay, so – Tabling that Jaron Hall, if healthy, is going to be tough to beat. Do you feel the same way, by the way? Yes. Okay. Especially based on that comment right there. I did before Aaron said that. I wasn't sure. If I'm being completely honest, I was not sure until he said that, that I was like, okay, now he's, I, I feel like he's leaning towards Jaron Hall. Because I think Baylor Romney is very capable. Sure. In fact, all three are certainly capable, and the margin between the three is very slim at the moment. I need to see Jacob Conover playing games. I really do. Um, I think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback at BYU. I cannot wait for the Jacob Conover era. But there's only a one-year difference between Jacob and these guys. So this is going to be a conversation we're having for not one year, not two, but three. It's going to be a fun three years of – He's got three guys that trust. Now, again, you trust Jacob Conover to a point. How hard? How much can you trust a guy who hasn't played in a game quite yet? You just need to see him in a game. And this isn't the season to see Jacob Conover in a game, in my opinion, as a starter. Sure. I want him to play four games or less in redshirt, and then he has two years gap with, with Hall and Romney. Then he could have two years as the guy, as a junior and senior, if not more. Jerem, you asked Aaron Roderick a question on Media Day that I really liked, and it produced a fascinating answer. Yeah. Would BYU have named a starter if someone had emerged already? This is what Aaron said. Yeah, of course. And I, But all three were good. Yeah, and if, if, if somebody does that in the first couple of weeks of fall camp and it's clearly they're clearly undoubtedly the guy, then we'll say so. Um, if it remains close like I think it will, we'll make the – best decision we can and we might not say anything until kickoff of arizona okay i mean there's a chance it could come to that um not not that i mean the team would know earlier than that obviously, right but we might not say anything publicly strategically why would we if, if if we can hang on to any tiny little advantage to win that first game we might as well and so i don't want anybody to be mad at me if that's what we do um but if someone's clearly the guy and they've established themselves early on then good chance we'll just say who it is all right, now if this were polling and I was looking at percentages like on a voting night, I, in my mind, based on everything that he said, I feel like it would be Jaron Hall likely to be the starter, 38%, Baylor Romney, 32%, and Jacob Conover, 30%. It's, it's close. It's really close. There's 
obviously there's not a clear distinction no. as to who the guy is or he would have named it because they would prefer. If they Which know is, the guy, they want great. This know is the guy. Good and bad. Good that, hey, you have three you like. Bad that one's not better than the others, and it's obvious. Because I think BYU is better prepared for uh, pros and cons to both. Better prepared for Arizona if everybody knows who the starter is. Then you can cater everything to that guy. Because let's be honest, the game plan is not going to be the same for Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney. It's different. Do it, Well, maybe it's not. With Jaron Hall, we should ask this to Aaron Roderick later at some point. How aggressive do you want to be with run calls for him, given the concussions? Does that change your play calling? I or does he I just wonder. run when it's convenient and the pocket is yes, collapsing? Russell Wilson. You're not calling quarterback draws for us. It feels like it will be that way. But he's going to run when it works. Josh Allen as well. Again, I don't want to just do black quarterback, black comp. No, there's all kinds of comps. Josh Allen is a guy that we saw at Wyoming in the 2016 Poinsettia Bowl. He runs a ton, too, for first downs and to get it down the field. Ryan Tannehill. Zach Wilson, for crying out loud. I think those are great comps. Yes. If Jaron Hall is not going to have some run-based calls, then the game plan can be the same. It's, it's really interesting. I think it's fun. I think it's great. It's not a, it's not, I'm saying it is a con uh, to a degree, but it's also a pro to have the competition to better each other. But at some point, you got to have a guy, and that guy needs to know he's the guy. Aaron even talked about that with us, where he said, I, I'm not going to you know, yank that guy out, if he struggles for no. a quarter or two. I'm not a big guy on like Which making, is, it, making it feel like he's looking over his shoulder constantly. The worst thing that could happen here is if they were like, you know what, we're going to have everyone reps in the same game, like 2010, Jay Keeps and Riley Nelson. It's like, no, you get a quarter, you're going to, no, Drew Miller, Kim Frederick, no, no. Pick a guy and let's ride that horse. Right. It's like Robbie Bosco said in 1984 when he opened up against Pittsburgh. He had just an awful first couple of series and thought, Lavelle Edwards is going to pull me. I'm, I'm, I'm not Stevie. I'm not going to play. I'm not Stevie. I can't do this. And Lavelle said, calm down. You'll be okay. The offensive coordinator came over, and they're talking with them and working through things, and they stuck with their guy. That- the real story is Blaine's going, pull me in. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm the guy. No, just kidding. Maturity keeps being discussed as it relates to all three of the quarterbacks, and it was fun to talk with them. All at the same time during our media day shenanigans in studio. Once they loosened up a little bit, it was great. And Jaron Hall summed it up from a quarterback perspective with all of the guys in the room together saying that whoever the starter is on game one, September 5th against Arizona, or September 4th, I should say, they'll be ready. You know, after spending so much time every day prepping like you're the guy, I think whether it's two days, a day, a month, you know, all fall camp, I don't think it's going to matter for whoever's up there. You know, I think we'll, we'll just be ready to go, kind of take care of our business, and, and when the coaches let us know, they'll let us know. So I think that's kind of the maturity in the quarterback room and, and the seriousness we take for you know, being ready to be the starter for game one. Is that young man the next starting yes. quarterback yes. at BYU? I, it's nothing against those other two. I just think Jaron is, is – is, uh, I just think he's the guy. I will be shocked – if it's not Jaron Hall. Like, that's how strongly I feel about that. Listen, I'm all in on those other two as well. Like, I, you don't have to pick a side in this conversation. I just am, I think that when BYU plays Arizona, if Jaron Hall is healthy, he's the starter. Okay. And I honestly feel like if Jaron Hall or Baylor Romney or Jacob Conover is a starter against Arizona, if, BYU will win the game. Yes, Arizona is terrible. You'll they find that out later in 10 and 10. I have a group of five team better than Arizona. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, we're all in on Conover. He's the next Max Hall type, right? A um, little shorter, but super competitive executor. He's amazing. Baylor Romney, we saw what he did. He beat Boise State. He was awesome. Mormon Colonies, I'm all in. He's a homie, beat right? Liberty. He was pretty good against Utah State in the second half as well. Yes, he was. And then Jaron Hall, we've seen just flashes, but like Jaron Hall has been waiting forever to be the starting quarterback. Like he committed as a freshman, I want to say. His dad went here. His older brother KJ played here. His uh, younger brother's signed to play here. Like he is, like he, he has slept uh, for years thinking about. September 4th, for a long time, about like being the guy to start a season. Stay healthy. Our question of the day, is Jaron Hall the starting quarterback for BYU? If he is healthy, why or why not? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Mad-Eye Cosmo answers on Twitter. Absolutely, because of one factor that separates him from Baylor Romney and Jacob Conover, his feet, his Able to extend a play if needed as well as he now turns into another running back with plays designed specifically for him to run. But will they do that? Yeah, TBD. Excited to see what happens, end quote. If Baylor Romney and Jacob Conover's arms are are better than Jaron's, that's where they can have a leg up on him. But I feel like they are equally excellent passers. That's where Jaron's feet come in. Yeah. Okay? If one of them just kind of stunk off – throwing the ball, but they could run and make a play. Like, Riley Nelson's arm wasn't the best, but he would make a play. And that's why he started, right? Um, I don't see that with this group. I think, I think they all have good arms, right? Good to great. Who has command of the offense to the greatest degree? Because Zach Wilson was a great example of that to all three of those guys. What it takes to eat, sleep, breathe. In fact, some points his teammates were like, Zach, we just need to be home for like three minutes. And yeah, not Jaren's talk about to have about a kid, football. so maybe he'll be watching more film. <laughs> it's zeroing to get in away. on that. Yes. Okay, coming up, it'll be a great day. Come on. What's your favorite BYU game winner ever? And Chris Vanini of the Athletic discusses all of the latest crazy college football news, from paying athletes to a twelve-team playoff, and how BYU fits into it. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Media Day is on demand on the BYU TV app. State of the program, two-hour BYU Sports Nation featuring all four, uh, three quarterbacks, BYU football, history of offensive innovation, the web chats. It's all on demand. Go to the free app if you want to watch. We're live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan, who, by the way, spoke with the man entrenched in the drama of paying college athletes potentially and an expanded college football playoff. And uh, NIL, lots to discuss, how BYU fits in that. Here's my conversation this morning with Chris Vanini of The Athletic on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Chris, let's start with what happened earlier in the week. The Supreme Court rules that, uh, you know, college athletics and amateurism, and it's illegal. You know, what you've been doing for a long time is illegal. What does this mean, and how long is it going to take to really figure out the answers to these questions about this situation? 
Well, this isn't the landmark case that would end amateurism, but it opens the door for future cases that could. Essentially, the NCAA wanted to cap the amount of educational benefits schools can give players uh, to, to keep everybody on the same level, essentially. And the Supreme Court ruled that that's basically antitrust. You can't price fix labor and that type of stuff. So now... Players can get laptops, tutors, study abroad, paid endorsements. Uh, if they hit an academic benchmark, they could get a $1,500 academic bonus in cash, essentially. So now schools will be able to do that. And But, but just to, Justice Kavanaugh, in his concurring opinion, basically threw the NCAA under the bus for everything that Amateur represents. And it really was basically inviting future cases to bring to to come to the supreme court to to at least show how he's going to rule and considering this was a nine nothing decision how it feels like this is the, the start toward uh some really really major changes coming i love that ken pomeroy uh you know quoted uh uh someone's tweet about the nine nothing uh ruling and said hey this is really going to affect the net for the nca coming up <laughs> later in march that was great okay so in terms of paying college athletes it sounds like it's not going to be straight cash, homie, uh, like a job. It's going to come through educational benefits, as you mentioned, right? Yes, for the most part. I, I mean, like I said, you can get up to $1,500 in cash for an academic bonus. That could be getting a 3.0 GPA. That could be uh, graduating. I mean, you could make it attending class, honestly. I mean, I mean schools could set it however they want. Mm. So could be an extra 1500 bucks. But, you know, that's maybe double what they're getting the cost of attendance right now, the, the stipend that they get. Um, but for the most part, it's going to be stuff like, yeah, computers, laptops. You know, we'll see if schools and programs set up paid internships for certain places. I mean, it's college sports, so people are going to push these rules as far as they can go. Uh, but in terms of a school just straight up paying a player to come play for them, that is not the case yet. Yeah, at least uh, over the table. Under the table, perhaps, uh, is whatever still, right? Um, in terms of name, image, and likeness, this is separate. But how do you feel like in eight days this is going to go down? Because we've not had federal rulings. A couple states have ruled, but not much. Uh, and then the NCA hasn't said much either. Yeah, I think we're up to six states that have July 1st as the start date where players will be able to do endorsements, essentially. And the NCAA was originally wanted to pass this in January, but then the, 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 the Department of Justice stepped in and was concerned about antitrust stuff. So they instantly held off on that, hoping to get a federal rule from Congress. That's not happening in time. It'll probably happen at some point, maybe by the end of the year. But July 1st is coming, and you're going to have schools in six of these states that can suddenly have their players do endorsements. And that is freaking a lot of coaches out who are concerned about what this could do for recruiting. And the NCAA Division One Council is going to meet this week, um, later this I think it's later this week or early next week, I think the 28th or something, to um, essentially try to pass something so this doesn't break NCAA rules. And it's going to be it's going to be a pretty broad uh, opening kind of waivers for players who do this, and basically say schools that schools can comply with state laws because state laws supersede. NCAA bylaws, and so uh, we're going to get to an equal playing field at some point with the federal law, but when July 1st comes, get ready to see players on billboards across the South and all kinds of endorsements being uh, uh, 
promoted. You want, you know, guidelines and rules to a point, but but you also don't want too many. But right now it feels like it's going to be pretty chaotic where there's not a lot of ruling on how this is going to go, which is weird because we've been talking about it for feels like a year or two. Why hasn't this happened yet? Well, because the NCAA was slow on this, and eventually the states got ahead of them. And like I said, the NCAA cannot overrule a state. And so now once states started getting on board, I think California or Florida might have been the first one like a year ago or something like that. Once states started getting on board, there was no stopping it for the NCAA, and they needed a federal law from Congress to kind of put everyone on the same playing field. But the Democrats and Republicans don't agree on the same things and what they want out of this. They, you know, they're, they're, And now the door has been open to stuff like health benefits for players. And there's going to be a large scale, you know, regulation of college sports from the federal government probably coming by the end of this year or going into next year. Um, and it's all because the NCAA dragged its feet for so long and, and wouldn't change when it needed to change. And now all this is happening. It's just like the Supreme Court case too. You know, that happened because the NCAA appealed the ruling. A lower court ruling that was somewhat favorable to them, but it wasn't favorable enough. So they appealed to the Supreme Court and it blows up in their face. So this is, again, just complete organizational malpractice. Yeah, super fun times. Chris Vanini from The Athletic is on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, let's talk about the 12-team playoff. uh, You know, this is sort of hidden for two years and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 12 teams. I thought we were going to eight. Um, what's the latest in this conversation as, uh, you know, division one uh, or FBS athletic directors, commissioners, chancellors want to try and uh, with the playoff committee, figure out whether this is actually going to happen. And if it's 23 or 26. Yeah. So last week, the management committee, which is the 10 FBS commissioners plus Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick, uh, kind of approved the 12 team model to send to the manage uh, board of managers, which is 10 FBS presidents or chancellors and the Notre Dame president and here in Dallas. And yesterday they essentially approved to continue to look into that. Now they're going to go talk to players. They're going to talk to coaches. They're going to talk to TV, try to figure out how everybody feels about it. But 12 is the model that they're going to do. But when it starts is a big, big question because the current TV contract with ESPN doesn't end until 2026, five years from now. The rotation of the bowls, because every, you know, the semifinals, two bowls get a semifinal every year right now. That rotation would, would seem like 2023 is a possibility. But yes, if you do that, you ESPN has exclusive negotiating TV rights until the end of the deal. So you may not get as much money that way. There are contracts with the bowl games. You're talking about the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl. Various things. There's a 2024 championship game scheduled in Houston that's past 2023. So there are a lot of contracts and legal things that they need to get through to make this happen in time. And that was the message basically from the president yesterday was that the, the lawyers told us there are a lot of things that we did not realize have to be taken care of in this. So in the end, do I think they figure it out and do it sooner than later? Probably, because I don't think they want to go five more years of this having a plan set, but it's going to take a lot of, you know, lawyer fees to kind of figure out how to make this work. I think they have enough money to pay those fees. So I think it's going to be okay. But yes, there's a lot to figure out in this process. Okay. For the 12 team setup at first, I was like 12. Okay. Four buys. I, 
I kind of like it. I also really like the idea of just the top six auto bids to the you know champions of the top six ranked you know conference champions. This obviously includes a group of five team, at least one. The Pac-12 complained, given on the heels of a season last year where uh, the best team wasn't ranked that high, that they might have been on the you know on the outs looking in. What do you think of the setup initially for the proposal or recommendation of the six highest ranked? Uh, conference champions getting auto bids. You know, the more I've thought about it, the more I love it. I was originally an eight-team person, six auto bids. Now, the SEC was never going to go along with that because they wanted more at-large spots. But I think 12 ends up being the sweet spot because you have conference champions in. Most of them will get a bye, so there is something to play for in your conference championship game. And by having 12... Essentially, if you're in the top 25 going into November, you've got a chance. And that makes a lot more games important. Now, there will be probably fewer super high-profile iconic games that will have major implications, but we'll have more you know, upper-middle-tier games that are important. So I think 12 ends up being really the sweet spot that pleases everybody. As for the Pac-12 request to make the five auto bids for the power five that has zero momentum from anybody else. It is not going to happen. It was essentially just kind of a really, really embarrassing thing for Larry Scott to do on his way out as back. <laughs> and I agree. It's like, Hey, just be better. Uh, if your team isn't in the top, you know, 12, well, at, come on. The, the, so not counting last year. Cause the Pac-12 played like right. four games, right? The Pac-12 champion has always ranked in the top 12. Yeah. So it's like, it really wasn't an issue. And they just kind of made it one, and it looks bad. It looked desperate. It really did. And on the way out, it's like, what do you care? You're on the way out. It's all good. <laughs> We're talking to Chris Vanini of The Athletic. Okay, for a team like BYU, obviously a season like last year would have put BYU in the mix here. BYU didn't finish in a New Year's uh, Six situation last year. A lot of mitigating factors in that, whatnot. But how does a, an independent team like BYU take advantage of this? And do you think BYU should consider – a uh, group of five uh, conference to better itself uh, in the opportunity to get into the proposed 12-team playoff. It's interesting. Had it been eight teams, then BYU would be in a really, really tough spot. But because it's 12, essentially you got to get, as an at-large, you essentially got to get around number 10, number 12 in the rankings. And BYU can probably do that. It's going to be hard. Obviously, last year was as close as they've gotten in a while. But... The door is open now. I, I think I think this really kind of slows the idea of some conference realignment because, you know, if you're Boise State, you don't need to go to the America now because you have a path to the playoff. You know, it, it's clearly there. If you're BYU, there is a very clear path as an independent. And that, I mean, you know, Notre Dame, they, the, the Notre Dame gave up a little bit to get a little bit in this, in that, in order to get a buy, you have to be a conference champion. Notre Dame cannot do that. So they will never get a buy. But because there are six at large spots, Notre Dame, if they have one loss, they're going to get in every year. Yeah. And so it, 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 it helps them, I think, in the, in the long term to get in there. And so if you're looking at BYU, essentially you just, you got to get into the, into the top 10 and you're probably in. And is, is that more likely than, having to win your conference and be higher ranked than another conference champion? Maybe. 
it, it's it's so it's kind of two different situations. I don't really know which one is is better, but overall, twelve I think is definitely helpful. Yeah, twelve is going to be fun. Uh, I can't wait for that. Whether it's in twenty three or twenty six or whatever, we'll figure it out. Chris, best of luck with everything uh, covering the group of fives. I know you're a busy guy. We appreciate your time, man. Yep. Thanks for having me. It's Chris Fanini on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Some great answers to some great questions. I like well, your strong opinions. Decent questions. Backed by a wealth of research and knowledge. I mean, he is yeah. entrenched in that stuff, and so it's always nice to have him on. Yeah, and it's, there's a lot of unknown, right? And it's going to be pretty chaotic next week. Next Thursday when NLI kicks in and it's legal and there's very little regulation, it's going to get weird in a good way. Yeah, which BYU <laughs> player is the first to show up on a billboard? Right, and and can Shaylee Gonzalez, who uh, you know has a massive social media following, she has a combined 400,000 followers, by the way. Is her net worth uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars? Like, can she instantly make money? Like, obviously, there are questions to be had in this, not only with... Uh, what the Supreme Court said, but NLI, and what's fair and what's not fair, and how is it regulated. But, like, can Shaley Gonzalez rake in, like, 5K next week from somebody? Mm. I don't know how this is going to work. How do we cash in on your name, image, and likeness, Jerry? No one really cares. If they ha- <laughs> we, we have been able to have NLI for a long time, and no one really cares. So I would love to join a lemma at Mr. Man. But anyway, coming up. The Safety re- zone. The return of 10. That was a one-off. I need, I need I need passive income. The return of 10 and 10. Who is BYU's toughest opponent this fall? There are a few moments in sports quite like a buzzer beater. We saw a dramatic moment last night in the NBA. That has us wondering, what's the best BYU game winner? Miracle Bowl, Danny Ainge, Coast to Coast, back to Harleen. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. What should we do right now? How about we whip it? Cougar Whip Round presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Big Game Boomer, whoever that is, has a list out. Best defensive coordinators in the country. Elias Tuyaki, 23rd. Your thoughts? Sure. Yeah. Who is Big I Game I really had him 19th. We keep talking about this Big Game Boomer guy. It's because we're bored. It's June. I, I don't know how I feel about it <laughs> in terms of uh, Aaron Roderick not being one of his top coordinators. He had Jeff Grimes of Baylor at number 22. The BYU offense has been more con- – uh, defense has been more consistent than the offense the last five, ten years. But hey, yeah, I, I mean, Ituiaki's defense was awesome last year. Top, top 25 defensive coordinator? Sure, yeah. Yeah, fourth best scoring defense, not bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and just overall, I mean, a lot of fans get frustrated by the packaging of it. Like, oh, we only rushed three, blah, blah, blah. That's how BYU beat USC. That's how BYU beat Jordan Love with Utah State. Da, da, da. Yes, you don't like the means, but I think you like the end. Right. Right. Hey, we just heard from Chris Vanini, who talked about the college football presidents and chancellors learning that there is a lot of legal jargon that needs to be discussed as we push towards a college football playoff. 
Uh, the Mississippi State president said as much. Jerem, when do you expect to see the 12-team playoffs start based on what we just heard from Chris Vanini and the presidents and chancellors? I think it's fun the Mississippi State presidents weighing in on this with Mississippi State. What? Um, when do I expect to see it? Uh, feels like 26 after our conversation with Chris. Just the legality of everything. The bowl contract. I was hoping for 23. I am hoping it's 2023. And, and Chris did say, like, well, I, I, I don't think they want to sit on this model for five more years. They might be forced to. Because the idea is out there. How does ESPN still get paid and still control what they want to control and then this thing get launched? You mean launched? ESPN pays? Yeah. How much does he? Well, they, it's both. They, they've paid for the rights to do it through 2026. So how do they keep the value of that with this shifting 12-team playoff you in 2023? Right. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with Chris. I, I don't think they want to sit on this five-year model. Certainly, every contract can be broken, right? Those are your words. Every contract, literally every contract, with heaven and <laughs> earth, can be broken. <laughs> oh. Will Elijah Bryant score over under three and a half points tonight in Game One of the Eastern Conference Finals? I'm going to go under. I, I don't. I don't think I'm going over. Really? Bucks or Hawks are blowing the other out. You think? And Elijah Bryant will score two buckets. I uh, see. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think. I don't think Elijah is going to score more than three. Or it's a close game and Elisha comes in and scores four. Woo! All right, in honor of DeAndre Ayton's game-winning alley-oop for the Phoenix Suns over the Clippers last night, Jeremy, what's your favorite BYU game winner? I'm going to go a little different, one that I was alive for. So I wasn't alive for Danny Ainge. I wasn't alive for McMahon to Clay Brown. I'm going Mitch Matthews, Nebraska. That was awesome, man. That was awesome. A Hail Mary to win in an uh, important game. That was great. Oh, to open the season. Yeah, that was Amazing. fantastic. Beck to Harling is the answer that a lot of people are going to have in this. Yeah. It's, it, uh, some people think that's the greatest I, play in BYU football history. I thought that was assumed uh, that was like out of the running because right, it was so awesome. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Beck to Harling there obviously is for you and I who witnessed it together. We were 10 yards away from the catch. Yeah, I thought about right, we're in frame right now. At Rice Eccles State and then. I mean, just yeah. mag- magic happened in 2006 okay. Okay. before Austin Collier well, actually declared Apparently magic that. hasn't happened since 2009. But there are two that I think you will agree with as well. 1996, the WAC championship game. Owen Pochman kicks that game-winning field goal at Sam Boyd Stadium, rushed the field, and then Omar Morgan's game-sealing interception against all, Kansas State. All good things. A few weeks later. Olaf said. Yeah, really. Coming up, today's Rise and Shadow. Plus, Jerem's 10-10. and 10. Begins with the 10 best teams BYU football will face in 2021. Who didn't make the list? This is BYU Sports Nation. And which G5 do I have over Arizona? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This week on Deep Blue, we talked with Craig Cusick about the day that changed his life. Check it out on the BYU Radio app and where podcasts are found. One Spencer Linton's going to be on the show soon. Yeah. We're going to dig into your life, bro. Oh, boy. <laughs> By Tom Rinaldi time. <laughs> oh, boy. There's, I bring an orchestra and everything. Oh, man. The tears are going to flow. <laughs> Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. We have reached that point of the summer where Jerem Jordan begins his 10 lists mm-hmm. in 10 weeks as we so. count down to the BYU football season. Let's do it. 10 and 10. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem 10 and 10. 
The top 10 teams BYU will face this year. Okay, not listed. Idaho State and South Florida. Sorry, not sorry. Yikes. Number 10, Utah State. Blake Anderson's the new head coach from Arkansas State amidst the in-season firing of Gary Anderson. No relation, by the way. Blake's quarterback transferred in, Logan Bonner. ESPN's FPI's 120th best team. Yikes. 1-5 last year. New OC, D.C. special teams coordinators for the fourth time in four years. I left South Florida off the list because I respect the Aggies more than the Bulls, but Utah State's <laughs> still, uh, still building. It's going to take a while for the Aggies to get anywhere close to what they had going with Jordan Love and company. Yeah. Number nine, Arizona. Wildcats were terrible in 2020. 0-5, 17 points a game. New head coach Jed Fish comes from the ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, 13 years in the NFL, recently with the Patriots. Remember you, uh, USF, uh, Jordan Cloud, who went 7-14, 72 yards, touchdown and a pick against BYU in 2019? He might be the starter for Arizona. Power 5 bias for the Wildcats over the Aggies, but Arizona, not good! Wow, the disrespect for the Wildcats is real. Oh, Absolutely. Season opener good, is about 10 weeks away. BYU and the uh, Wildcats in Vegas. Put it up in the locker room. Also put up that you know you stink anyway. Number eight, Georgia Southern. Yes, I think Georgia Southern is better than Arizona. <laughs> the Eagles went 8-5 and five in the Sun Belt in 2020. Hashtag Sun Belt Sports Nation coming to you in 2034. The option-based rushing attack was the fifth best nationally. Top 25 in scoring defense as well. Four of those five losses were by one score. Four-year starting quarterback Shea Wirtz transferred to Louisville to be a receiver. So Georgia Tech quarterback transfer James Graham is in. He's a bigger version of Wirtz. Defense had the most takeaways in the country. Mm. Six starters returned. Wow, you're telling me head-to-head Georgia Southern is going to beat Arizona in a neutral site. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Number seven, Washington State. I wish Mike Leach was still there, mainly for the sound bites. But it's Nick Rolovich, the quarterback, put up 72 against BYU for Hawaii in 01. And head coach of the Rainbow Warriors against BYU in the 2019 Hawaii Bowl. But enough about Nick. 1-3 record in 2020. Tennessee transfer Jarrett Garantano. Remember him from 2019 mm-hmm. in Knoxville? He's the quarterback. What's up with quarterbacks transferring to schools that will play BYU that they already played? The Wazoo defense allowed 10-plus yards on 26% of plays, second worst in FBS for the team on the Palouse. Terrible defense. That's what they do. They score a ton of points. They give up a ton of points. This game makes me nervous for BYU and Pullman. It has Pac-12 after dark written all they, over. It could end up being like a 58-55 game. That that team that scored a bunch of points, that was a couple years ago. Oh, that was, That's not this team. Number six, Virginia. Hey, Bronco Kelly, Robert, Nick, Jason, Shane, Mark, Matt, and Garrett. There's a lot of former Cougs on that mm-hmm. list, on that staff. ESPN FBI thinks really highly of the Who's. At 32nd right now, 5-5 five and five in 2020, worst record since 2017. Lots of returning starters, including quarterback Brendan Armstrong, 18 touchdowns, 11 picks. He also ran for 5.52 and 5. Yeah, I think highly of Virginia as well, and maybe that is soaked in bias because we have dealt with Bronco Mendenhall. We know what he's about, but I'm surprised to see them this low on the list because of the football power index where they had them. Yeah, I, I'm... They, they're going to be better. It doesn't mean they're good. Yeah. What And what's good? A-plus, probably. Okay. Number five, Boise State. New head coach Andy Avalos returns back to Boise from Oregon for Brian Harson, who went to Auburn. He got paid more. Broncos were 5-2 and two last year, losing the Mountain West Championship game to San Jose State, and this just in to BYU. Super talented offense with ballers returning. New OC Ch- Tim Plow comes from UC Davis. They're going to sling it and spread it. Uh, as the OC. Remember the game on the blue last year? Fun times. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight returning starters on both sides. So I think Boise gets back to a kind of 10, 11, 12 win team. I don't know why, but I'm a little slow on Boise State being 
this good with so much turnover. I think it's going to take them probably another season. I wouldn't be surprised to see them win only eight or nine games this season, just with a new head coach and everything. The Power 5 teams on BYU's schedule aren't like upper echelon per se. So Boise State, while they could be a nine-win team, I think still is better than Washington State and maybe even Virginia, right? Mm. So that's why I have them so high. Number four, Baylor. I think Baylor will be much improved. Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos returned to Provo on Dave Aranda's staff. Aranda was a D.C. at Utah State in 2012. Two and seven last year. They struggled. Charlie Brewer, second all-time in pass yards in Waco. He went to Utah. More on him in a moment. Rush game struggled. 18% of carries turned into TFLs, most in FBS, but 16th best turnover margin in the country. I think the Bears will be better. They could be terrible, but I'm thinking Baylor's at least going to be kind of middle of the pack, Big 12. Yeah, that's what's interesting about this. Like, I, I could, oh, I wouldn't fault you if you put Baylor back at number seven and bumped everybody yeah. up. It, They're the a, biggest question mark to me on the schedule. They're an enigma, yes. I have no idea what to expect from Baylor. Yes, just giving Jeff Grimes some love, I guess. Number three, Arizona State. Highly touted, expected to compete in the Pac-12 South with a group that was good but not great last year under Herm Edwards. Returning junior quarterback Jaden Daniels. A lot of people looking back to his freshman year about how good he is. 15 starters back from a 2-2 two and two team. Two L's by eight points. They put up 40 a game in limited action. 70 in the Territorial Cup over Woo! Arizona. Should have beaten USC. The defense forced a takeaway on 25% of possessions. Best in the nation. Limited action, but awesome. So a couple years ago, they went eight. And then last year, limited action. So really banking on Arizona State building with Herm Edwards and a young quarterback who... Everyone thinks we'll be way better. Yeah, ultra-athletic team. There's some drama swirling in Tempe right now around Arizona State's program. I wonder like, if that's going to have an effect. What will the NCAA do, if anything, with that? Yeah, that, will they that just could, slap them on the wrist? play into this, but yeah, I feel like Arizona State underachieves a lot based on the talent that they consistently bring in. Is this year they maximize the talent? Yeah, I don't believe Arizona State's like a top 15 team, but there's some that think they'll get up to that. Number two, Utah. 3-2 record in 2020, zero NFL draft picks. It's a weird year for Utah. Charlie Brewer, as mentioned, transferring from Baylor, will probably win that starting quarterback job. Add in TJ Pledger from Oklahoma at running back, Chris Curry from LSU. Utah feeling good about transfers in the backfield. Brought in a bunch of five-star guys. Look at Utah. 11th best rush defense, but 99th against the pass in 2020. Again, only five games. That defense is always good. I'm not sure if Utah's a 10-win team or an 8-win team. But the youths will be good again. Will they win the Pac-12 South? Probably not, based on who's next in your list. And the number one team BYU face this year is USC. 26th in the ESPN FPI. Your boy Keaton Slovis is a junior. He calls Provo weird. We call Keaton Slovis weird. 5-1 record in the truncated <laughs> 2020. 13 returning starters. Best passing offense returning among Cougar opponents this season. Lost the Pac-12 title game to Oregon, who got in for Washington. Defense had, listen to this, 16 takeaways in six games. That's insane. End of the season, rank 21. They will be a top 25 preseason team. To close out the season on the road in the Coliseum, that, that's a tall, tall task for BYU. So I, I don't like the location of the game. The timing of the game, however, is interesting because you wonder what USC is going to bring will to that game. Will they have clinched a berth into the Pac-12 championship game and not need this? They need to rest people. Are they undefeated or have one loss in their playoff hunt if it's really, really good? If it's bad, they're not in the Pac-12 title game? I don't know. But the, that is the initial 10-10 and 10 teams. We're going to be bringing you one a week for the next nine-plus weeks. Yeah, we're getting closer. <laughs> Here we go. Coming up, do you think Jaron Hall will be the Game 1 starter of health? And we give you our rise and shout-outs 
Who earns it today? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast by Googling BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day, is Jaron Hall the starting quarterback for BYU if he's healthy? Mm. This may seem like an obvious question to you. We want to know your answer. It is to me. Why or why not? Michael Decker on Facebook answers, between the three, or among the three, Jaron is the most ready and can add a more dynamic element to the offense. While Baylor Romney is an efficient game manager, he may not fare well with the schedule. Now, this schedule, here we go, I'm not going to go too far on this. Yes, it has seven power fives, but like you brought up originally, listen, it's way more manageable. There's only USC and Utah go, mm, I'm not sure on those. Like, those will be tough ones. Every other game feels like BYU could win the game. BYU can win the game against the other five and Boise State. That's possible. And a majority of these games are in Provo. Yes, my issue is the volume of those. Those tend to stack up, right? But BYU has a bunch of home games in the front. They play, what, four of six, I think, at home in the front, four of six on the road in the back. No true road game till late October. It's more manageable. It really is. The balance is nice. Yes. So I don't think it's overwhelming for any one guy. All right. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at CL underscore living. Hall, Max, or Hill, Taysom, and now Hall again. Jaron just has good winning symmetry to it. Hall, Hill, Hall? <laughs> That's true. I <laughs> thought about that part. Maybe, maybe Jacob Conover's working out with Max Hall. Maybe Jaron Hall should work out with Max Hall. Okay. That's fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Jar- Jaron's with John Beck, you know. Everybody shuffle. <laughs> Today's rise and shout-outs presented by Mountain America Credit Union guiding you forward. I'm going to give one to the New York Jets media department for producing a four-part series called, it's called Flight 21, which looks behind the scenes of drafting Zach Wilson. It's been fun to watch that. Yeah, I, I'm uh, in the middle of it. It's great. Uh, and shout-out to the Slovakian goalkeeper. Having a rough morning. Yeah, sending you good vibes, brother. Our thanks to today's guest, Chris Vanini of The Athletic. Sorry to Dennis. No time. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Eric Bateman. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Is it Jaren's team? Go Cougs.